Blog Talk Radio. All right, fans, here we go. Four two-minute rounds of boxing scheduled. Women in the ring. edition, the first edition of the two-minute round, your hooks and jabs look at the female boxing world. This is episode number 57, but it's the first of 2019, and what a year we have coming up the next 12 months. If everything pans out like it should, it looks like it's going to be a great year for female boxing. My name is Felipe Leon, and with me, like always, is the great David Ayal Avila. David, how are you doing today? Very good, Felipe. How are you? Good, good. Thank you, David. And first of all, we haven't spoken in a, in a couple of weeks, or more than a couple of weeks, so happy holidays to you. Hope you had a good time with your family and friends. But here we are on the two-minute round where we're going to talk about all things female boxing. We have uh, some things coming up fairly quickly in female boxing, some things that have been talked about that we could touch upon that we actually talked in the last couple of episodes of uh, of the year of 2018. We're going to have uh, some of the best of that David Avila has put together for 2018. You want to see the whole complete list, you can uh, surely see it on the prizefighters.com, the all-female boxing website. And, uh, and here we go. Uh, starting off, David, fight results from the last couple of weeks of 2018, Friday, December 14th in Argentina. Marcela Acuña scored a fifth-round knockout on her, over Jennifer Rodriguez in a 10-rounder, defending her IBF 122-pound title. And that's something that you don't see very often. You see Marcela Acuña win, but you don't see her score a knockout, and here she did. So that's good for her. Even though she's in her early 40s, she's still going strong and training, and hopefully we have a couple more fights out of her in 2018. Obviously, I don't think that she'll be fighting out of Argentina, but she will be fighting in her home country. Same night, Friday, December 14th, in the Auditorio Municipal in Coahuila, Mexico, Isabel Millán scored a four-round TKO over Perla Rojas Martinez in a Schedule A runner. That was at 115 pounds. That's another uh, not too – you don't see that too often, Millán scoring a knockout, so she scored a TKO there. And from the American Bank Center in Corpus Christi, Texas, on top rank, ESPN Plus, Michaela Mayer, uh, completely dominating Alex Calixta Delgado in an eight-rounder uh, at close at 126 pounds. Scores were 80-72 three times. David, what do you think of Mayer this time against a a a veteran fighter and an experienced fighter like Calixta Delgado? Well, I wasn't able to see it because I had another fight card and uh, I just didn't have the, the time to see that fight. And then I forgot to look at it, look at it and. YouTube, but I did expect her to win. Uh, I know Kalista is a, a very tough uh, girl. I think she's only been stopped once. Uh, 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 I think it was Manu Serrano that stopped her. But uh, uh-huh. I know she's a very tough girl. Now, um, the fight wasn't really at 126. It was closer to 130. It was an eight-rounder. Uh, she's 9-0 now. I'm talking about Michaela Mayer with four knockouts. Uh, Kalista 
she's been stopped three times, David. She's 17 and 11 with three draws. She was stopped uh, uh, the last time by Amanda Serrano. But previously to that, she was stopped by Mayolin Rivas, the Venezuelan. And then she was stopped by Alejandra Alejandra Oliveira, the Argentinian. So she's been stopped by some world-class opposition. The thing about Mayer is that, you know, obviously top rank, if there's a, if not one of the best, the best uh, matchmakers in the business, they know how to develop a champion fighter. They've done it in the past numerous, numerous times. I mean, in the male side, they've done it with, I mean, you name them, they developed them. Floyd Mayweather Jr., Oscar de la Hoya, Miguel Cotto, uh, uh, who else, David? I mean, off the top of your head, that top rank has developed into world champions. Uh, yeah, they've had so many. They have now they have um, uh, Oscar Valdez, and they have uh, they've had uh, guys like uh, the Magdalena brothers, and they've had a lot of, a lot of parties throughout the last decade, including Sierra but this one is Michaela Mayer, who is their first female and only fighter, and they're developed her in the same way. They're building her up, getting her confidence, putting her in against tougher and tougher opposition. But what I see from her is that she's dominating these B-class fighters, the ones that should be giving her a little bit of trouble, maybe having her th- to think a little bit more in the first couple of rounds until she's able to decipher their styles. And and she's not going through that. She's she's dominated from the first round. So I don't know if they're taking it too slow with her. I, you know, you've said it before. We said it before here on the show that in female boxing, it's a little bit quicker to get to a world title. She already she's already nine and zero. She has a, a long amateur career, a strong pedigree there. Um, so maybe she's ready to jump up in in, in opposition. Maybe face the top fifteen fighters or top 10 fighters in, in, in the weight class at 130 pounds, because I, I don't see a much, uh, much more uh, development in, in facing these kind of fighters. Yeah, I think she has one more fight uh, coming up in Minnesota, I think, or, or someplace like that. And uh, then they'll probably get a match with a little title fight uh, pretty soon. Uh, absolutely, this year. I know she's very, she's ready for it. Um, it's, uh, her team is probably the best team and but I think they're trying to get her to to develop her professional punching power. I think once they get to that point, then she'll be back for the world title because as you and me know, if you can still be the best fighter and lose a decision, the best way to guarantee a win is to knock them out. So I think they want to get her to that point where she can absolutely knock somebody out, uh, if need be. And um, she's there. And she has all the tools. I say to get the world title this year. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, she started off her career knocking some fighters. I mean, she knocked out three out of her first four opponents. But obviously, like in in, uh, in professional boxing, once you start getting more rounds in and you start facing a little bit tougher position, the KO ratio tends to go down unless you have that natural, natural KO power, which, as we all know, with the two-minute round and with female boxing, it's kind of harder to determine if you do have that KO power. I mean, Calista Fields, in her own right, she looks like she could knock out a horse, but uh, just physically, she looks so powerful, but she hardly scores any knockouts. Yeah, it's tougher than it looks. I mean, it, it takes timing, 
and it takes uh, being able to um, set up an opponent. It's hard to set up for two minutes. Three minutes is better, but hey, two minutes does change the action because the girls know they don't have much time to do what they have to do. Now, moving on to Saturday, December fifteenth, and was in what was somewhat of a of a of an upset. Casey Morning out of the, originally from Hawaii, but fighting out of the Bay Area and and uh, trained by Nonino Donaire's father, uh, lost the unanimous decision in China against Thai, a Thai fighter named by the name of Yutamas Jitpong in a ten rounder for the vacant WBO Asia Pacific. Super flyweight title scores there were 99-91 two times and 96-94. So this uh, turned out to be Casey Morton's first professional loss. He had been going to uh, Asia, China, Philippines to get some wins out there, and this time it kind of blew up on her face because she ended up losing for the vacant WO title. The opponent was reportedly four and two. So we'll see if Casey Morton can bounce back from this uh, from this loss. She's already back in training, so hopefully she gets a fight soon and she gets back on her winning race. Uh, the same night, December 15th in Germany. What's that? Zipong uh, is not a bad fighter. She's a very good fighter. Um, so she's going to lose to a bad fighter. She actually lost to somebody who can compete anywhere. So maybe it was a, it was a lot, but it was probably a good learning experience for her. Probably mm-hmm. a good fighter. Okay. Um, Germany, Tina Ruprecht, unanimous decision over New Yorkis Carreno in a 10-rounder uh, for the WBC 105-pound title. She's the full-fledged champion, while uh, Luisa Harden is the uh, interim champion. Oh, no, no, that's an atom weight. There's a completely different champion. This is a straw weight. Yeah. Uh, scores were 97-91 and 96-92. And from the Madison Square Garden on the undercard of Saul Canelo Alvarez over Rocky Fielding, Katie Taylor scored a unanimous decision over Eva Wallstrom in a 10-rounder uh, defending her IBF and WBA 135-pound titles. Eva Wallstrom was, is the current WBC uh, super featherweight champion, 130 pounds. She ended up going up five pounds to challenge Katie Taylor. Scores there were 193 times. Wallstrom was previously undefeated. She suffered her first loss to Katie Taylor. And David, again, um, you know, one of the critiques that uh, a lot of people had of Katie Taylor in her professional career is that she had really not faced a uh, a credible or dangerous opponent. She faced Cindy Serrano, dominated her, brought her up from 126 pounds. But to me, the difference in size didn't look all that much um, come fight time. And, and now she faces Eva Wallstrom and defeats her quite handily. I mean, completely dominating her. Uh, uh, an undefeated I, I, world champion. Go ahead. I, I was uh, very disappointed in Eva Wallstrom. One thing that, I, that you notice if you follow women's boxing is that the Europeans have a certain style, and it's really good at winning fights in Europe because the judges and referees favor that style. And then they come somewhere else, and they fight that same style and think they're going to get away with it. Uh, I mean, to tell you the truth, a lot of people thought Eva Wilson lost to uh, Melissa St. Bill. And I think if Katie had fought Melissa St. Bill, she had a much, much tougher fight. Because Eva basically just hung it up and just was in survival mode, just like the other two 
European fighters that we saw earlier last month uh, against Cecilia Bacchus and uh, Clarissa Shields. Uh, mm-hmm. They barely put up resistance. It's, it's just a European fire. It's just such a, a, a boxing, amateur boxing style. It just doesn't fit um, fire fighting. And I think we're well, uh, discovering that more and more. Well, one thing one thing that, that is left to be said is that Taylor and Wallstrom were no strangers. They had faced each other uh, quite a number of times in the amateurs, and I believe Taylor mm-hmm. had you know had the upper hand in those fights. So they weren't strangers oh, yeah. to each other. Wallstrom thought that uh, maybe in the professional ranks she had you know developed something that would help her uh, defeat Katie Taylor as a pro, but obviously that was not the case. Regardless, and needless to say, this is the second, um, you know, top-notch elite world world-level f- fighter that Katie Taylor defeats quite easily. Yeah. So yeah. it just it just leaves, you know, the big fights. You know, Delphine Pursun, Amanda Serrano, which is something that that has been talked about. That Lou DiBella here on our show basically told us that it's a it's a sure thing by the end of 2019 um amanda serrano has mentioned it a couple of places although before we even get to some of the comments that amanda serrano has said quite recently um a couple of rumors well a couple not a rumor one thing is well i don't know if it's a rumor or not but one story that got out and i don't know if you have more insight on david is that the film pursued or the the film pursuits uh team wbc uh lightweight champion out of uh belgium Looks like they made a quite a hefty offer. Not hefty enough, but in the world of female boxing, it seems quite hefty of a hundred and thirty thousand uh, dollar purse for Katie Taylor to face Pursuit in Belgium um, sometime soon. <clears throat> it looks like Taylor rejected that offer. Her team rejected that offer. By the sound of it, Taylor makes quite mu- a lot more money um, fighting the Ever Wallstroms and the Cindy Serranos of the world. So um, now there's a strong rumor that Melissa Saintville might be going up to 135 pounds and in, in, uh, challenging Pursuit for that title. Have you heard anything on any of those two points or, or on any one of those? Uh, yeah, I've heard about the, the offer to Katie Taylor, but she does make a lot more. And um, I was told, and that this is a rumor, that they have a kind of that offer. Uh, to pursue um, she refuses to fight out of Belgium. But that's just a rumor. It hasn't been substantiated. Uh, we have a reporter in Germany that uh, has been on top of that, that fight, uh, uh, possi- the, the fight possibility. So we'll be finding out soon. But, but uh, I just have a distinct feeling that Pursuing does not want to fight outside of Belgium so she has a hometown advantage with the judges. Uh, I think that Katie uh, Taylor, if she can fight her anywhere, I think she would like to bring Pursuit to New York uh, or even uh, Ireland, even. But I don't think Pursuit uh, wants to do that. We'll see. Maybe she will. Because I've also heard she wants to retire. Yeah. I mean, that's, kind of, that's been, and also when she mentioned, I mean, she had a surgery on her hand. It all depended on how she came out of that surgery, but she came out fine. She fought. A uh, number of times since that surgery, so it looks. But but we'll see. I mean, but if she ends up retiring without facing Katie Taylor, I mean, she's undefeated. She's a w- longtime WBC uh, lightweight champion. It would be a shame if the female boxing world doesn't get that fight uh, before she retires. 
Uh, as far as the age, I mean, Katie Taylor, they're around the same age. They're in their mid-30s. Katie Taylor put in a, lot, a long time, a lot, a lot of time in the amateur ranks. So it's not like one is fresher than the other. I mean, Taylor only has about 12 fights as a pro, but still, I mean, she, she has the miles on her as well as far as being inside the ring because uh, of that, that amateur career. Now, going back to Amanda Serrano and that possible fight between Taylor and Serrano at the end of 2019, just recently, a couple of days ago, Thomas Gerbasi of, of Ring Magazine, as well as Boxing Scene, put out an article uh, where she interviews Amanda Serrano. Amanda Serrano is up to be fighting in the next couple of weeks, and we'll talk about that fight in the upcoming calendar. But when asked about Katie Taylor, um, this is what Amanda Serrano uh, stated, and I quote, and I would like to have your opinion, David. And she said, she stated, I don't dictate my life and career around Katie Taylor. I've been around the pro game a long time, and I'm just going to continue to live my life, do my career, and leave my legacy and continue to break records and do what I need to do. I've been fighting for 12 years, and I've been a pro for 10 years, and now that Katie Taylor's in sport, now people want to open their minds and their pockets for female fighters. It's not fair. And now I'm doing MMA, and I fell in love with that sport, and I want to continue to do MMA as well. The sport of female boxing isn't Katie Taylor. We've been around here for so long, and now that's all they want to talk about. David, your thoughts? I have thoughts about it, but what are your thoughts? Uh, well, I mean, I really don't know what to think about it. I know that she has a fight coming up, and it's a very dangerous fight in my estimation. Uh, she's dropping down. She just recently fought at one point with a very tough girl, Yamila Renoso, and she's dropping from 140 to 115. That is a tremendous drop. I don't know if people understand that, but that's a tremendous drop. We're talking about a fight she just had a month ago. And then she's going to drop all the way down to 115. Uh, I, I think this is probably the most dangerous fight she has. Uh, if she can make the way, that's the number one battle to make that weight, 115, and then fight a top-notch elite fighter or like Eva Vorberger. I mean, Eva Vorberger is a little girl. She's, she's quick and, and a tough little girl, but she's only 115. But that's a natural weight for her. I think she's dropping down from 118 to make that fight, which is nothing, three pounds. But the man has got to drop. That's a little bit of She's going to drop 25 pounds, and that's an incredible amount of, of, of weight to drop. Uh, I think it's a dangerous fight there. Um, I hope she can do it. I think that's the first order of business for her, and I think she knows it. I think she knows this is a dangerous fight. Um, whether or not she fights Katie Taylor, I, I'm pretty sure she will. I think they're bargaining now for the right amount of money. I think she wants that demand that money uh, and to fight Katie. I think it's a negotiating play. Um, somewhat to a degree I, I agree with you I think that the biggest challenge for this fight for Amanda Serrano is going to be making the weight but you you know I think that you know I think she has a great team around her she has a manager now I mean in the MMA side um, but I'm, I'm sure that she's getting help so I'm sure that she's using um, all the tools available to her to be able to make the weight comfortably or the easiest that she can. I mean, obviously it's going to be hard, but she's going to have the tools to make it as easy as she can, if that makes sense. 
Um, once I think she makes a 115, um, she's going to balloon. I, 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 I mean, I hope that they, they weigh her in, and I hope that they have uh, fight night weigh-ins like, you know, like HBO used to do, and I don't know if The Zone is using that. But I would imagine that she's going to be like 125, 126 come uh, fight night. And I think that we're going to see the difference inside inside the ring. It, it, so I think the biggest challenge there is uh, is uh, is uh, making the weight. Other than that, I don't see ever Warren Berger being enough of a threat inside the ring to be able to defeat Amanda Serrano. So to me, to me, it's it's just a matter of, of making the weight. Now, as far as the comment, you know, Amanda Serrano for a long time, and she's been a great friend of the show. And every time that she has gone on here, she has been fighting for parity. And everywhere else, everywhere else that she gets interviewed and she can talk about female boxing and her career in particular is that she looks for parity. She looks to get paid as close as the men get paid or to make significant purses. And that is why the main reason that she mentioned that she was moving to MMA. Now that I would imagine, David, that a fight against Katie Taylor will be the biggest purse of her boxing career, if not up to this point, MMA career. You know, um, uh, you know, I, I just don't know what to say about the comments. I think that I think that I, I feel like there's a little bit of um, what's the word? Not jealous. I don't want to say jealousy. I don't want to say sour grapes. But I feel that if Katie Taylor is the fighter that's bringing you the biggest purse, then that's the fighter that's bringing you the biggest purse. And if you have the right, if you have the chance to face her. Um, then you know you gotta make you got you want to make that money. Um, you know I think that she feels that that it shouldn't be that it maybe should be her alone that should be demanding this money. But unfortunately, it's not. It's Katie Taylor. Katie Taylor is the one that's bringing in the money to the table. And and I feel that Amanda Serrano doesn't think it's fair. But at the end of the day, Katie Taylor, as big as Amanda Serrano might be inside the female boxing world, Katie Taylor is much bigger. Uh, yeah, but, you know, I think that, um, I've never seen Amanda Serrano actually turn down a fight, especially somebody that is good. So I'd be surprised if she doesn't fight Katie Taylor. I mean, that's just Amanda. She, she wants to fight. Maybe, I, I just think that it's a negotiation, uh, that's speaking right now. So, but, I mean, business-wise, it makes, it makes sense to negotiate for the highest seed. So I just think it's part of that. But I think um, I think she really wants to fight Katie Taylor. Yeah, I do. I think so too. And maybe this is just a way of her, you know, trying to command more money. But as far as we, as far as we understood from Lou Devella when we had him here at in December, um, in the beginning was it at the end of November? At the end of November when right before um, the um, the uh, Deontay Wilder uh, Tyson Fury fight. Um, she signed a three-fight deal with the Zone, and the agreement was that the third fight was going to be against Katie Taylor. So it looks like everything is pointing yeah. in that direction. So we'll see. Um, now, lastly, in the uh, fight review, Saturday, December 29th in Argentina, Daniela Bermudez scored a fourth-round TKO over Jacet Noriega to defend her WBO 118-pound title, whereas her sister, Evelyn Bermudez, scored a split decision win over Mexican Guadalupe Bautista 
to conquer the IBF 108-pound title with scores of 96-94, two times for Bermudez, and 96-94 for Bautista. So now the two Argentinian sisters are currently the only pair of sisters in female boxing with world titles. And the more surprising or the more, uh, yeah, kind of surprising thing or, or even the better news is that not only are these two sisters are now world champions and they're two of at least Daniela Bermuda is considered one of the top 10 fighters in the world, I would imagine. But there is another sister mm. who might be coming up the ranks as well in the Bermudez clan. So, you know, hopefully uh, we get to see him fight more often. Hopefully we get to see him fight somewhere closer to the equator in Mexico or in the United States because these girls are beating everybody. Mm. Daniela Bermuda is 29 years old. She's fought everybody from uh, Tuti Bach, who she lost to at 108 pounds but she ended up beating Mariana Juarez at 118 pounds, and she beat Marcela La Tigresa Aguña at 122 pounds and, and you know, and uh, vacated the title right after she won, and she continues to be the 118-pound WBO champion. So if anybody at 118 pounds wants to say they're the best in the world, they got to get through Daniela Bermudez first. Yeah, she's very, very good. She's a very good fighter. Yeah, so that was the uh, that was all the fights in the last couple of weeks of uh, in female boxing. Now we're gonna pass on the baton to David, who we're gonna talk about uh, some of his uh, picks for best of 2018. Go ahead, David. Uh, yeah, well, we had some pretty good fights last year. Um, I guess I will start with uh, the best fights of 2018. According to the PriceFighters.com, was uh, the, the the big choice was Clarissa Shields versus Hannah Gabriels that took place on June 22nd at the the Santa Temple in Detroit. Um, we saw Clarissa Shields get dropped and then rally back uh, furiously against uh, Hannah Gabriels in a firefight. Uh, that was, that pretty much turned everybody on their heels when they saw that fight. Uh, they had never. They didn't think anybody could compete with Shields, and then when they finally saw it, it just raised the level of women's boxing another notch. I thought it was the most important fight in the last several years because uh, it, it kind of uh, stamped women's boxing as something to see. We had been seeing a lot of mismatches, a lot of one-sided fights. Uh, that fight was uh, not a mismatch. It was very good. Clarissa Shields uh, won the fight, and every round was close, but, but she won the fight. And uh, she she was um, very uh, – the responses after the fight by Clarissa and Hannah just really pumped up women's boxing, in my opinion, and I thought that was the best fight of the year for sure. And then the runner-up was uh, a couple of fights uh, – then the Flores and Luisa Lauten spot on September 8th at Inglewood Forum. And uh, it's funny because it, it didn't really get any kind of a publicity. It was kind of like an afterthought. Uh, the card uh, was filled with other fights, uh, world title fights. The top fight between Brenda Flores and Luisa Lauten, man, that mm. was a slugfest. They went at it. And Brenda uh, was countering with Captain with Connor Rice and Lisa Lighton was bloody uh, throughout the fight. And uh, she was trying to 
mount a rally every round. Uh, it was a very close fight. In the end, uh, then the Flutters won the title. And then uh, she subsequently stripped, uh, and that's another story. But uh, that was a very, very good fight. And then the, the other fight uh, selected was Yesenia Gomez and uh, Esmeralda Moreno to took place uh, the first one, May 19th, um, at uh, Playa del Carmen in Mexico. Uh, what did you think of that fight, uh, Felipe, the first fight, Yesenia and uh, Esmeralda? Yeah, it's very competitive. I was quite surprised. To me, I've seen Yesenia Gomez fight a number of times as well as Esmeralda Moreno. And, you know, Yesenia Gomez, was, she was a youth, WBC youth champion for a while, but she never showed me, she never had shown me before that she was, you know, a world-class fighter. I mean, there's these fighters, and you, you're more familiar with this than I am, David, in the male side and the female side, where they're very, very good fighters, but they, always, they, they don't have that one thing that sends them to that upper echelon of, of, of boxing and, and get, gets them that world title. And I think that in that fight, even though it was, it was a, a draw, it, it showed that Yesenia Gomez had what it took to, to hang with, with Esmeralda Moreno and, and, and the world elite of, of that weight class at 180 pounds. Um, Esmeralda Moreno... She's a she's a tried and true world champ. She's won numerous titles. She's gone to Europe and won fights over there when she's the underdog. So for Yesenia Gomez to uh, fight to a draw in that fight and then beat her in the rematch and now is a world champion uh, proves a lot. So I think that's uh, I, that's what I saw in that fight. Now as far as I believe that the, the Brenda Flores and Luisa Haddon fight was a great fight. It was it was. Um, you know, back and forth, close fight, a, a mishmash of styles. I mean, when you have two different styles like that, that, you know, it just makes for great boxing inside the ring. And, and quite, um, you know, surprisingly is that they kind of, uh, they kind of reverse the role of the Mexican fighter, you know, Mexican fighters, because you're the one that always is going forward and throwing a lot of punches and getting hit mm -hmm. three times for that one punch. And in this fight, it was the opposite. Luisa Hanna was the one that was coming forward, whereas Brenda Flores was the one that was kind of fighting off her back foot and, and catching her as she was coming in and counterpunching. So that was quite interesting. Uh, Brenda Flores ended up winning that fight. And the Clarissa Shields, um, uh, Hannah Gabriel's fight, I mean, I was really impressed by that fight. I think that we saw uh, different facets of both fighters. I really like the way that, Anna Gabriel's fights and handles herself, handles herself and carries herself. Uh, I think that she showed that even though Clarissa Shields seems unbeatable, if you time her and you are not intimidated by her, that you could score a punch and score a punch, a good enough punch to drop her, you know. And I think that's one thing that Clarissa Shields right now has in her in her favor just like a very young mike tyson is that a lot of the fighters that face her are intimidated when they step into the ring and i don't think that we saw anna gabriel be that she wasn't intimidated and she fought back and and she put on a great fight now one fight that i do want to mention that you didn't mention with david that i feel was kind of like the same vibe that um 
Clarissa Shields and Anna Gabriels was was that Cecilia Brayhouse against Callie Reese fight, the May 5th fight at the StubHub Center, where, you know, Cecilia Brayhouse, she's a boxer. She's not going to knock you out. She's just going to box you. She's going to jab you. She's going to use her lateral movement. She's going to use her foot movement. And she's just going to try to hit you more times than you hit her and, and, and just box you. That's what she does. That's why she's, you know, undefeated and has all the world titles because she has somehow one way or the other to a certain extent perfected that European boxing style. But Callie Reese, unintimidated, fought back, scored a knockdown, and you could really see the tide turn in the second half of that fight. And to me, I was very intrigued by that fight. And I really wish we get that rematch because I think that um, that fight could be as good, if not better, than that first fight. So I kind of felt the same thing with that you mentioned on the on the Clarissa Shields Hannah Gabriel's fight, where if you really watch that fight and you really see what's happening, you could really really get intrigued by it and start appreciating um, the talent level of female boxing at this level. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a, that was a very good fight uh, with Cecilia uh, Blackett and um, Kelly Reese. It just was so slow developing. It's a four rounds, there's almost nothing. And then the knockdown changed everything. And then it became very intense. And uh, yes. yeah, but it was, it was one of the best fights that it, it truly was. One of the best fights of the year. Okay, then, uh, what else? Next to the fighter of the year, we selected Clarissa Shields for the uh, aforementioned fight with Honey uh, Gabriel and her numerous fights. She had uh, two of the fights, and all of them uh, she dominated. But, I mean, she's carrying the torch right now for women's boxing. And uh, finally, I got to see her in person. I've been watching her on TV. I've been, I, did, I did see her in Bayview in Las Vegas when she fought Sunshine Cruz, and that was a heck of a fight. But then I saw her finally a couple of years down the road now. She fought at the uh, StubHub. And um, she's really improved. I mean, she's improved to the point where it, it, it seems like she's, she's really another level. And once she figures out her timing for knocking out people, she's going to be really something to behold. Uh, for the runner-ups in, in the fight of the year, we selected Mariana Juarez, Cecilia Bracas, and Tudy Taylor. So all they did, they really... Those four fighters were on the top of the game all year long, and they were really pushing women's boxing to, to the forefront as much as they can, especially because they're busy. They're very, very busy. They're not afraid to take fights. Clarissa Shields took a fight in two weeks, which is unheard of, and uh, she fought for the title. And it, was a, it was a great showing by her, and uh, that's why she was selected fighter of the year. You really had a great uh, breakout year. What did you think, I, uh, I think that it was very close, but if I had to choose, I, I would go with Cecilia Breakhouse because I believe as far as um, as far as as far as what we saw inside the ring and the uh, and the uh, matchups that we saw inside the ring, I think that they were fairly close. Cecilia fought three times. Um, um, Clarissa fought four times. We saw them both 
we saw them both face some good opponents. Uh, I think Cecilia faced a great opponent in Cali Reese. I think that Cecilia, uh, Clarissa faced a great opponent in uh, Anna Gabriels. We saw them both, um, um, you know, face adversity and come out the other side as winners from that adversity. Obviously, touching on the knockdowns that we saw with Clarissa against uh, um, Anna Gabriels and Cecilia Breakhouse against Calories. But what put to me in my eyes Breakhouse over the top was the intangibles that are outside the ring. The fact that, you know, Cecilia had the opportunity to be the first fight on HBO, which is going to go down in the history books. I mean, that's something that is maybe 10 years from now, 15 years from now, it's going to be a trivia question. You know, what was the, the first fight on HBO that included, that was uh, two females? It's going to be Cecilia Breakhouse. And then the fact that she was, um, you know, the headlining fight in the last broadcast of HBO, uh, same thing. You know, that was a first that Cecilia got to do. I mean, Clarissa was on the um, on the broadcast as well, but it was Cecilia's night. And then also the, the fact that she was named uh, the Ring Magazine female pound-for-pound pound number one box in the world, another first for her uh, is what, for me, uh, put it over the top. If, if those things wouldn't have happened, yeah, I think it would have been Clarissa Shields' fighter of the year. But to me, what happened inside the ring was pretty close to being equal. Um, so so the fact that Cecilia got those accolades and got those opportunities to be the first woman on HBO to headline and to be on the actual network is in the ring magazine is what put her uh, over the top to me as the, as the fighter of the year. Yeah, I, I really like Cecilia. I think she's a great fighter and a great person, too. Uh, if you ever get to meet her, she's a wonderful person. Um, so put Carissa on top for me was she beat Hannah Gabriel. She beat Kelly Reed very easily. And Cecilia had trouble with her. So that told me that Carissa beat a better fighter. And and not only that, the fact that she took that fight in two weeks and just dominated that girl. Uh, in two weeks, fighting top-notch female fighters. I thought she had the better performance. Uh, the only thing that kind of uh, left me with some doubt with Cecilia is, is that she didn't fight Layla McCarter. And that's one thing that a lot of people have been asking. It, it's not her fault. The money just wasn't there to fight Layla, but I'm sure we'll see what happens. That would have been, but then you could say, you could make the same critiques about Clarissa Shields. One is that Callie Reese is a, a bigger fighter than Cecilia Breakhouse, and she came down in weight. So, and the and the in the difference in, in size was evident inside the ring between Callie Reese and Cecilia Breakhouse. And Anna Gabriels is a is a is a natural 154 pounder who went up six pounds to face Clarissa Shields at 160 pounds. So she was fighting a smaller fighter there, although the the, the side difference, well, you can see the side difference in Shields and Anna, Gab- Anna Gabriel. Shields look be- bigger. And the other thing that you could have said, oh, well, Shields didn't fight uh, Christina Hammer. Well, it's not Shields' fault that she wasn't able to fight Christina Hammer because Christina Hammer had to pull out because of a medical issue. So the same things that you could criticize Cecilia Breakhouse for, you could turn around and criticize Clarissa Shields for as well. Well, not really, because, uh, like I said, she beat Hannah Gabriel, she beat Kelly Reese, and, uh, you know, right there. She had an easier time with uh, Hannah Gabriel to easily beat Kelly Reese. 
And uh, that tells you that he's the better pilot. But, I mean, it's just apples and oranges. They all get the right classes. The real truth will be when they meet. Uh, supposedly, at super accurate, because uh, Carissa says, did say she would drop down to fight the hero at super accurate. Wow. Well, I mean, I don't see that fight happening. I think that it would be a disadvantage for Cecilia. A, one, her age, she's getting up there. She's nearly 40 years old. I, right now, Clarissa Shields is in her prime. I mean, she's strong. She's big. She's good. She's fast. She's powerful. And her dropping to 154 pounds, I think it's going to hurt her all that much. I mean, I think she can do it. And we saw what a bigger fighter can do to Cecilia Breakhouse as far as an advantage. So, I don't think it's in Cecilia's breakout's best interest to face Clarissa Shields, no matter how big that fight is. Um, now, she, who knows what's going to happen now with, I mean, the one fight and the one fighter that she mentioned and she mentioned and she mentioned time after time was Cyborg, Chris Cyborg. But, I mean, if you follow combat sports, I don't really follow MMA, but, I mean, you couldn't really get past it that Chris Cyborg was pretty much handed uh, a, a knockout by um, I don't even remember I don't know, what's her name Nemus Nemus Nunez Nunez Amanda Nunez so I mean she's still a viable opponent for Cecilia Breakhouse in a boxing ring after what what a box because she basically boxed her she didn't even I don't even, I mean I saw the knockout I didn't see I mean I think I did see the whole fight the whole fight was like forty fifty <laughs> seconds I don't I don't remember Nunez kicking her so I think she basically just boxed her so. What what happens? What happens to that whole fight? Yeah, well, basically, he just got knocked out. So he had a slug fight, so he got knocked out. Yeah, I don't think he has a boxing skills. I think it would be an easy fight for Cecilia to be the if they fight. And I don't know if there's that much money in that fight now. Now that's how they last. Now, there is some video out there, if you search for it, there's a, a sparring video between Clarissa Shields and Chris Cyborg, and I don't know how much Clarissa Shields was, you know, maybe she wasn't pressing the gas as much as she could because they are friends, and, and you know, you're sparring, you're working, you're doing things, you're trying to learn. Um, so I don't know if uh, how much they did or how much they um, – um, how much she pressed the pedal against Chris Ibrook, but it looked like she was kind of holding her own. I mean, not beating her or anything, but not getting handed like she did by uh, Amanda Nunez. So, so who knows? Who knows? Who knows where Cecilia Breakhouse goes from here uh, as far as that Chris Ibrook fight, or if now if the Layla MacArthur fight becomes something that she wants to do, because other than Layla MacArthur, she either has to bring somebody w- way up to face her with somewhat of a name or she has to herself go up and face some of the names. I mean, we talked about Jessica McCaskill, which was a, she was a uh, contender for that fight on HBO, but it didn't happen. She's a 140 pounder. She was going to go up to 147. So, I mean, to me, if she doesn't want to face Layla MacArthur, that's a fight that may happen in the future. Jessica McCaskill. Well, that's a strong possibility. Uh, Jessica is uh, improving leaps and bounds since the fight with Katie Taylor. I mean, she just looked like a another level when she fought uh, in the last fight against Erica Farias. She looked tremendous. All right. We have another uh, another uh, category? 
Uh, no, well, speaking of Jessica McCaskill, that was the upset of the year. Uh, Jessica McCaskill beating Erica Thaddeus. Thaddeus uh, had not lost as a super welterweight, and uh, she had been a former lightweight champion for a long time, and then she lost to Delphine Pocine in Belgium. Uh, she also lost to Cecilia Bacchus at welterweight, and uh, but as a super lightweight, Erica Thaddeus from Argentina had never lost. And so she came to Chicago, and uh, Jessica McCaskill basically ambushed her, and it wasn't a bad decision. She just beat her. She just beat her almost every round. She lost maybe two rounds, maybe, and uh, she just showed that she could box as well as punch. And uh, she was very impressive. She she threw some combinations that, you know, I had not seen before. It was kind of fair Jessica McCaskill she can deliver. She she's very much uh, an aggressive fighter. She uh, she doesn't like to chase like she had to chase that kid. But if you stand in front of her, you know she can fight. And uh, that was the upset of the year. Uh, the the other one was uh, Brenda Flores beating uh, Lisa Lawton. Uh, Lawton um, she had lost previously to to uh, Anahi Torres, but that was seemed like it was a fluke. And then Brenda Flores came in, and a uh, smaller girl, and Brenda just, uh, you know, showed that she could be beaten by a boxer puncher. And uh, it was, that was an upset, too. But um, a lot of people thought that Lisa won that fight. Uh, I've heard from many who thought she won. I thought Brenda won, but it was just a close fight. But those were the two upsets of the year. Well, what did yeah. you think, uh I, I agree with your choice of uh, of Jessica Mancastro because, as you mentioned, Farias had never lost as a super lightweight, and um, one fight before, she was coming off beating um, Ana Laura Esteche, who, in her own right, was a world champion as well. So they didn't fight for the titles, but it was two champions facing each other uh, at the end of... Uh, 2017 and Farias beat her. Then after that, she beat in a kind of a, of a even though it was a world title fight, but it was more of a keep busy fight. She actually beat Yamilia Esther Reynoso, who who is fighting Leila MacArthur, uh, and we're going to talk about that in the upcoming calendar. So Jessica McCaskill, with you know probably a third of the fights that Farias has, you know, but just with a lot of hunger and fighting in her hometown. Uh, ended up defeating her and becoming a world champion. And now her life has turned uh, around, upside down, per se. Um, you know, and now she's being mentioned by with uh, the, the greats, the, the best uh, uh, currently in boxing, Cecilia Breakout. I mean, if she wouldn't have beat, if she wouldn't have beat Farias and she wouldn't have even fought Farias, we wouldn't be mentioning McCaskill to be facing Cecilia Breakhouse, or she, we wouldn't be mentioning her of perhaps getting a Katie Taylor rematch. I mean, she would just be another fighter that got an opportunity against Katie Taylor and wasn't up to par. And now, you know, she's the talk of the town, you know, being mentioned here, being mentioned there. And I'm sure that she's going to have a pretty good 2019 uh, defending that title. So, yeah, I agree with you. As far as uh, Brenda Flores, Luisa Haddon, I'm one of those people that thought Luisa Haddon won the fight. I thought it was close. I thought it was 96-94 for Luisa Haddon. Um, as far as an upset, 
I seriously, I thought that Lisa Hanna was going to win the fight before going into that fight. I thought that she was a lot more mobile. I thought she was a little bit more creative in her punch output. I think she was faster. Um, uh, I think she was a little bit better fighter than Brenda Flores. I've seen Brenda Flores fight numerous times. And I thought that Luisa Hannon was going to have a little bit more, but Brenda Flores proved us wrong. Although I thought Luisa Hannon won the fight, but it was close enough that two of the three judges saw it for Brenda Flores. But as far as the upset, I thought McCaskill uh, was a bigger upset just because she was fighting a much more experienced, established world champion. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Jessica was upset. She was also the breakthrough fighter of the year for the fight fighter because uh, until that fight, very few people knew about Jessica Picasso, but now they they know who she is, and um, that's why she was selected Fifth Fighter of the Year and the Upset Fighter of the Year. That's good. In the next I category agree. was a knock was a knockout of the year. Uh, this was a tough one. There was three absolutely stunning knockout, knockouts, but uh, the one who did it twice was Adelaida Ruiz. She had the uh, two sensational knockouts. I mean, these are true knockouts, not uh, stoppages by the referee or somebody just overwhelming somebody and they stopped the fight. These were punched to the face and they were out, uh, unconscious. Uh, Adelaide Ruiz of Los Angeles did it twice on uh, March 17th and then on April 28th, and uh, they were devastating knockouts. And then the runner-up is uh, Selena Barrios, and her knockout win over uh, Aida Sadi Baldinova. Uh, that was a even. That was supposedly an even fight, 50-50 fight. And uh, Selena caught her with a left hook and uh, and dropped her, and and that was a pretty devastating knockout too. But those were the three uh, knockouts of the year. The the one chosen was the the one on April 28th. And Adelaida Ruiz knocked out the undefeated fighter from uh, Mexico City. They were both five and zero. And Adelaida, uh, Adelaida dropped it with a left hook, and she went down with a stud. Uh, and that was a knockout of the year. Yeah, I think that was a. I mean, my favorite. I mean, I, I was there for the Adelaida knockout. I was there in the house, and it was pretty impressive. But the one that was just sheer brutality was uh, Selena Barrios knockout over Adelina Satibalinova. I mean, that was just, I mean, she was put to sleep as soon as that punch landed. So um, if I had my choice, I would go with that one. But it was a very close, very close uh, category. Yeah, yeah, it was very close. It was just hard to to pick. Uh, And then when you took the knockout punch of the year, we had to go with Adelina because she did it twice. And mm-hmm. uh, she now, I think she has a string of four knockouts in a row. And uh, okay. those are the real ones. They're not, they're not stoppages. And then now, uh, she, for the best round. She, okay. Before we move on, do you know if she has a fight schedule? Uh, she did have, she did mention something, but I don't think it's, uh, it's been uh, substantiated yet. I think they're trying to, with an opponent, and um, that was a, they're having a, a problem tying down an opponent. They mm-hmm. want to put her on as much as possible to promote her, but she's just having problems finding an opponent. To, they all know about her now. They know that she's yeah. a devastating puncher. Okay, go so, ahead. And then for the best, for the best round, we chose 
around the fire between Flores and Houghton, um, you had to be there to, to kind of get the feeling of the fight. Uh, fans actually stood up and applauded during that round, and even after the fight, they, they stood up and applauded. That was the only fight. There was like six or seven fights, uh, several world title fights. They were bored out of their minds, but that fight brought down the house, and uh, the fans actually applauded after that round when uh, they went at it. Uh, it was a furious round between the two, uh, the, the Aussie and the Mexican. Wow. Well, that's a, that's a, what's that? No, go ahead, Felipe. No, 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 that was good enough for me. That round was good enough for me. Yeah, and then uh, our next category was uh, most inspirational. Uh, this is a real close one, too. We couldn't decide who were the two most, well, the most inspirational fighters. We, had, we narrowed it down to two. And uh, first was uh, San Diego's uh, Amaris uh, Quintana. She had come. She had uh, suffered a, a, a problem with her heart, and mm. she couldn't fight for two years. And uh, she wasn't even. She was told she wouldn't be boxing anymore. Uh, she came back, and uh, she came back with a vengeance. She she won by knockout three times in a row. Uh, last year, and uh, she's a she's a she fights at 105, and um, she really you know, she really uh, showed a lot uh, coming back from that uh, serious um, uh, medical problem she had, and then she came back to win by three knockouts in a row after having maybe one or two knockouts in nine fights, and mm-hmm. uh, and then our our other candidate was uh, Fantan Cruz, who uh, he had uh, fought Chris. She was in a pro debut. They both debuted against each other, and it was a great fight. It was probably Chris's best fight until her last, her last fight against uh, Hannah uh, Gabriel. And uh, then Samson kind of got uh, forgotten about. Uh, she signed down with uh, Selena Promotions, but they couldn't really do anything for her. So then she asked for a release. She looked like she was going nowhere. And then suddenly she matched up against uh, Maricela Cornejo uh, for the world title. And um, she, from nowhere to somewhere, she won that fight. Uh, she won by decision. And now she's a world champion at Cuban uh, Middleweight. And it's one of those stories that uh, if you know Franchon, you know that she went through a lot. She lost her mom uh, right after that Cuesta Shields fight uh, two years ago. And she been going through a rough time just trying to stay in boxing. And then to end up with the world title was a pretty uh, inspiring story. Uh, it was hard to determine who had the most, the more inspiring story, uh, uh, Amarisa Quintana or Santa Cruz. So we took the most, uh, most inspirational. Yeah, and I agree with you. I mean, both pretty inspirational for two different two different reasons. I mean, Franchon Cruz, I mean, she has a lot of options to be quite honest with you. I mean, she's a wonderful seamstress. I don't know if you knew this, David, but she designs oh, yeah. a lot of boxing, uh, uh, female boxing um, uh, uh, outfits. And then the last couple ones that Clarissa Shields has worn, Clarissa, uh, Franchon Cruz is the one that made them for her. She's a great singer. She can also sing very well. Um, 
And, and you know, if she wanted to, and if the, the boxing wasn't going the way that she wanted to, she could just say, hey, I'm going to do this something else. I mean, I, I have other talents. But she stuck it out, and now she's a world champion, you know, and, and a fighter that, at least for myself, and I'm sure you too, are looking forward to seeing in 2019 because I think she has a lot of talent. Um, and she 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 does a lot of good things inside the ring. She's she's uh, exciting. Uh, she brings the fight, and I think that uh, I do want to see that against some of the other uh, champions in the 168 pound division. Now, Amaris Quintana, I, I've known her story for a long time. I mean, she's from San Diego. I'm from San Diego. I've seen her fight uh, most of her career, if not all her fights. And for her to go, and the one thing about Amaris Quintana, you know, you can say a lot of things about her. Uh, but one thing that you can say about her is that she loves to fight. I mean, she loves to fight um, even to her detriment, even when she shouldn't be, you know, quote-unquote fighting or, or going toe-to-toe with the fighter, she'll do it just because she wants to mix it up and she wants to give the crowd a show and she just wants to fight. And and for her to get this kind of scare with this um, health issue and maybe run the possibility of not being able to fight again, I bet that really, um, uh, you know, scared her and, and did something to her. But she was able to come through it. She was able to get back in the ring, and she was able to, to be even better than before, scoring knockouts when she had never done before. Now, one thing is that she hasn't fought in a while. Uh, it's been a while. We haven't heard from her. We had her on the show um, so hopefully we can have her quick soon again with some news and having us and letters know what's next in her career because she had some support. She had a manager. They were getting her fighting Tijuana and building up her career towards a uh, a uh, a uh, title fight. And now that that atom weight division is starting to somehow pick up a little bit and get in the mainstream of female boxing, which is something that we had not seen before in quite a while. The fact that the Japanese fighter, Momo, I forgot her last name, but her first name is Momo. What's that? Momo Kosaki? Yeah, the fact that she had the title in Japan and nobody's going to pay for a 102-pound fighter to go to Japan and fight and vice versa, she, she... she ended up retiring. Now the full-fledged champion is in Europe, which is maybe easier to make a fight between an American fighter or a Mexican fighter in Europe. And now the interim title is right here in L.A. with Luisa Haddon. And honestly, um, if anybody can make 102 pounds, it's Amaris Quintana. I mean, she's always been fighting over 105 pounds to to try to get fights, fighting at 108, 112, 110, 107, and, and even 105, which is her natural weight class. I'm sure she could make 102. And I, I would love to see Luisa Haddon against Amaris Quintana. That would be a barn burner. I hope that fight happens oh, in 2019. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That would be a very good fight. Very, very good fight. There you go. Yeah, now, is that... Yeah, hopefully that half fight happens. You that you that have um, uh, Tom Loeffler's uh, ear there, David. Maybe you could whisper a couple of sweet, sweet somethings, and maybe we could see that fight. <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm telling you. <laughs> now, uh, is that the end of uh, the categories, David? Yeah, that's the end of the categories. 
Well, there you had it. You had the top the uh, top 2018 picks of the PriceFighters.com as well as the two-minute round here on the two-minute round, your hooks and jabs look at female boxing. This is episode number 57, and the first of 2019 will be coming to you every other week on Thursday, 7.30 p.m. Pacific time. If you ever want to catch us live, you can do so here at blogtalkradio.com uh, forward slash two-minute round, and our next show is scheduled for January 24th, but before that, we're going to go to our upcoming calendar and let you know what is going on in the next couple weeks, which is not a lot, but there is some good fights happening, some good important fights happening um, in female boxing in the next couple weeks, starting this Saturday on January 12th, Mexico City, Mexico. Mexico. This fight is going to be televised in Mexico by the Azteca Channel. Solina Lalova Munoz, former super flyweight champion, is coming back after about a year and a half hiatus. She went out and had her second daughter, um, and now she is back to claim what is rightfully hers. And she says it is that WBC 115-pound strap that is held by Guadalupe Martinez, the woman that beat her. But before that, she needs to get past Areli Valente. And there's a story that should be coming out soon, probably by tomorrow, David, I hope, on the preview of this fight, where Munoz talks about what she wants to do um, as far as winning the title. And who Arely Valente went out and worked with to get ready for this fight. So this fight is an important fight, David, because Zulina Munoz is one of the most important current Mexican fighters out there. She held that super flyweight title for about five years. She's made 13 defenses of it, and she wants it back. Yes, she deserves the ability to have a rematch. I think this is a very good fighter. So let's see. Well, she's just a good question with uh, Arely Valente. I've seen her fight in person in Cancun, and I know uh, she's a pretty good fighter. Yeah, so it's going to be a good fight. Uh, Selena Munoz does have the advantage in um, in experience, but Arely Valente has the advantage in youth, and she's not as warm. She hasn't fought in, in quite some time as well. So we'll see what Selena Munoz brings back after a year and a half outside the rings. Also on that card is former interim WBA uh, light flyweight champion Silvia Torres facing Nordelis Gradero uh, from Venezuela in a 10-rounder at 108 tough pounds. Girl. Yeah, tough girl. Uh, 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 let's see what Torres does with her. Torres is the younger sister of the legendary Ana Maria Torres, that uh, great fighter who faced Jackie Nava twice, fighting to a draw the first time and then defeating her in that second fight. On Thursday, January 17th, at the MGM Grand in Las Vegas, Nevada, on Mayweather Promotions, no TV, possibly Facebook. We'll see. Maybe somebody will have a uh, will go live on it and we'll be able to watch it. But Layla MacArthur will be facing Jamila Reynoso in an eight rounder, I believe, at 147 pounds, David. And this will be Layla yes. MacArthur's first fight of 2019. Yeah, it's interesting because uh, what's the um, what's the name of this? Uh, from uh, Argentina. Jamila uh, Reynoso? Uh, yeah, Reynoso. Well, she just fought Amanda Serrano, and they went to distance. She gave Amanda a hard time because uh, it, it was a big result for Amanda, but she's a tough girl. She's never been knocked out despite fighting all these other monsters. So now she's fighting, in my opinion, the best female fighter 
in the world in Layla McCarter, and that should be a very interesting fight. Uh, it's a 10 round fight, and um, I'm anxious to see it happen next Thursday at the MGM. For those listening, I've been told that the tickets may be free. Mm. So if you want to see I think so too. one of the best one of the best female fighters in the world, pound for pound, go to the MGM on Thursday night. Yeah, I did. I did. I did see that as well. Now another thing is that you know the fight has been receiving a little bit of criticism, criticism on social media, just because of Reynoso's mm, record. She's like thirteen and three, or fourteen, fifteen and three. But um, Lena McCarter, she's very frank. She's very honest. She's like, and she said, you know what? This is a keep busy fight. We're trying to keep busy. But one thing that I am trying to do is to knock her out because nobody has done that before. So, and that's what you have to do when you're the, at the level of of a Layla MacArthur and, and such a great fighter, and you face this kind of fighter that obviously she's not at your level, but you need to fight, and you're not getting the big fights against fighters who are at your level, then you got to do something that nobody's done before. Nobody's knocked out Reynoso. Amanda Serrano wasn't going to be able to knock her out. Well, that's what I'm going to try to do. I'm going to try to knock her out. And I believe that if Lena McCarthy wins but doesn't knock her out, she's going to feel it like it's a loss. Yeah, you're right. And knowing Layla, that's what uh, she would say. She would say she did lousy unless she could knock her out. And Layla's very capable of knocking out anybody in her weight classes. This is a little larger than her normal weight class, but uh, she's knocked out super welterweights before for the world title, so she's very capable of knocking out uh, uh, Reynoso. Well, let's see what happens, and hopefully uh, we catch a stream uh, so we can watch the Lady MacArthur fight. Now, on Friday, January 18th, just the next day, at the Madison Square Garden in New York City, New York, matchroom boxing. This is going to be on the zone. So if you are on the zone, you're going to be able to watch this and you'll be watching history as Amanda Serrano faces Eva Voraburger of Austria in a 10-rounder for the vacant WBO 115-pound title. If Serrano is able to pull it off, this will be her seventh title in as many divisions, 115, 118, uh, 122, 126, 130, 135, and 140. Something not done by anybody except technically, to a certain extent, by one Manny Pacquiao, who's done it in eight eight different divisions. Yeah, that's a, a big achievement. Like we mentioned before, this is a dangerous fight for Amanda in that she's trying to drop down Two hundred fifteen. She's never fought there. It's going to be a struggle. I mean, it's it's just not natural to fight at that lower weight if you've never fought there. She's actually very tall. She's about five five. So dropping down to one fifteen is going to be very hard. Uh, we'll see what happens. If she does make the weight, then she still has to do the fight. That's only part. So she has two big goals and 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 risk that she's uh, going to be partaking. Now, she's been p- posting uh, photos and, uh, and, and and her updates on social media, and it looks like she's pretty close. She looks pretty lean. She looks pretty strong. So it looks like she's pretty close to the weight, but we're not going to know until Thursday, January 17th, when it's the official weigh-in, if she actually makes it or not. So we'll see. I think that last time that I checked, 
or last time that she posted something, she was about seven pounds away. So that's not, we're still about uh, seven days away. So it's pretty close. So we'll see, uh, we'll see uh, how close she gets or if she ends up doing it. And lastly, now, before we move on, this is the first fight for Amanda Serrano on the zone out of that three fight deal. Um, then she would have another fight, we would assume, in the next three or four months, or maybe in the next five months, sometime in the summer. And then, um, and then hopefully by the end of 2019, she will be facing Katie Taylor. Now, I wonder, David, if there is a clause on that contract with the zone that while she is in this in this agreement with them for these three fights, she can't participate in MMA fights. Well, that's a good question. I'm not really privy to that information. Uh, I guess we could ask Amanda uh, and maybe to give us that answer. I, I am hoping to talk to her very soon. Okay. Yeah, that'd be great because because that would be quite interesting because, I mean, I would I would see why the zone would put that clause in because, obviously, she wouldn't want her to get hurt, and it's a lot. Well, I would say a lot. Well, it's not her. Yeah, go ahead. Well, sorry to interject, but she's fighting for Combate Americas, and there was the zone too. Oh, okay. So there might be some kind of agreement there because – because it's easier, I believe, to get cut. Not so much hurt, because MMA, what I've seen is not much, but what I've seen is that they tend to call off the fights a lot quicker than in boxing. But you do run the risk of getting cut quite easier, I believe, yeah. in, in MMA, because you got kicks, you got elbows, you got, exactly. you got forearms, you got punches with a lot smaller gloves. So I think there's a lot more risk of getting cut. And a cut you know, might put, depending on the on the severity of it, might put you out for three or four months. So if that's okay. the case, yeah, yeah, it would it would it would mess up the whole timeline for the zone. And there's a lot of lot of injuries due to grappling, a lot of mm. injuries. I mean, leg injuries, yeah, you know, like injuries, ankle injuries, hyper hyperextending an arm or a leg or something like that. Yeah, there's, there's more risk during the sparring than there is in boxing. Mm. And that, and lastly, on Saturday, January 19th, from Struer Arena in Struer, Denmark, Dina Torsland will be facing Alicia Graf in a 10-rounder, defending her 122-pound WBO title. And that's pretty much it. Um, quick rundown, Saturday, January 12th, Mexico City, Solina Munoz, Areli Valente, Silvia Torres, Nodeli Gradero. That's going to be on the Azteca channel in Mexico. Thursday, January 17th, MGM Grand, Leila MacArthur, Jamila Reynoso, eight-rounder, hopefully some kind of stream. Friday, January 18th, Madison Square Garden on the zone. Amanda Serrano, Eva Borovorg is going for history and her seventh title in the many weight classes. And lastly, Saturday, January 19th, from the Struer Arena in Denmark, Dina Torsen defending 122-pound WBO title against Alicia Graf. Our next show scheduled for January the 24th. That's a Thursday, 7.30 p.m. here on the blogtalkradio.com forward slash two minute round. David, why don't we say our goodbyes? All right, fans, here we go for two minutes. Go ahead, sorry. Oh, yeah, so long now. I hope everybody gets a chance to see a little female fight. 
All right, fellas, good ladies and gentlemen, good night, and thank you for listening to the first show of the two-minute round. Your hooks and jabs look at the female boxing world, number 57, the first one of 2019. Good evening. Good evening.